Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Our scripture this morning comes from the Old Testament. And while you're listening, I'd like you to think about the hierarchy, and the order of the universe. The first scripture comes from Genesis 1, 26 to 28. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And our second verse is from Psalm 8, 3 to 8. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you should take thought of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than God, and you crown him with glory and majesty. You make him to rule over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the seas. Here ends. Everyone over here, you are the goat. Everyone here in the middle, you are the goat. Those of you online, you're the goat also. And and just so you don't feel bad, all of you over here, you're all the goat. I don't know if you are familiar with that term, But when I first heard it, and they were talking about people being goats, my first thought was, what in the world are they talking about? And then it hit me. The greatest of all time. So there's a lot of talk in sports around, is Tom Brady the goat? Is LeBron James the goat of the NBA? But let's be honest. All of us as human beings, as homo sapiens, we're the goat. We're the greatest of all time. There's no other species that can compare to us. I mean, we have evidence for it. We have the great chain of being where that hierarchical order is is set. Now, let's be honest, We don't want to get too big of egos as human beings, so we put God above us. But we also separate God from us. 
God is independent from us. God is independent from nature. And, and to, for us, when we hear that, it's not like uh, shocking. But for the ancients, this idea was really radical. Because in the ancient Near East and in Greek, the gods were part of nature. They were subservient to nature. They had to cooperate with nature. But when the ancient Israelis, Israeli um, Israelites, when they all of a sudden begin to think about things, they said, no, our God is above everything, separate from everything. And because we are created in the image of God, according to the text, then we are separate from not only God, but we're separate from nature. We're above nature. Now, here's where it gets really fascinating, is that even though there's God and then us, at that rung where we are, we even have divisions within our own species. We all see people as being either higher up or lower down than us. We know where we fit. We have so many different criterias we use to plug ourselves in. Socioeconomic, your stature as far as the titles that either come before or after your name. We all know where the pecking order is. Race, education, all of that comes into play. What's amazing is, is that we see all life forms being below us. But even all those life forms, they have a pecking order. Dogs. Have you ever heard the term the alpha dog? The dog that's kind of in charge. It exists out there. So where did this come from? This idea that we saw ourselves as the goat, the greatest of all time. We are the ultimate species. Where did that originate? Well, many people think it originated from the literal reading of the Bible. If you listen to these texts that were just read for us, run from, one from Genesis, one from Psalm. If you listen to those, we are obviously at the top of, of this great chain of being. According to them, God created us and gave us dominion. We were to subdue the earth. We even got to name all the creatures. What's fascinating is that word subdue actually has elements of violence tied into it. It's the word that is used can be translated when a woman is sexually assaulted by a man. So when the text says we are to subdue the earth, there's a hint to the possibility that we might have to use violence to make that happen. In Psalm, in that text we heard from Psalms, it talks about this idea that God made us a little bit lower than the angels, but far above all the rest of the creatures. 
So this idea was prevalent. And so for the individual who wrote the Hebrew Bible, that's what they thought because that was their reality. So the person who wrote Genesis, the person who wrote that psalm, they, they just operated from that understanding. And it didn't just stop with them. It continued on. One of the church fathers well-known is Augustine. And Augustine clearly de- shares with us that we are the goat. Listen. According to St. Augustine, animals are devoid of a rational soul, and therefore, one need not pay any attention to their suffering. Huh? We have souls, they don't, so they're second tier. And actually quoting from Augustine, his words say the following, When we read, you shall not kill, we assume that this doesn't refer to bushes, which have no feelings, nor when we hear the words, you shall not kill, do we believe that it affects irrational creatures, whether they fly, they swim, or they walk. It is by a just arrangement of the Creator that their life and death is subordinated to our needs. You see it? The ancients believed it. The early church fathers believe it. No wonder we believe it. But where did they get this idea from? For the person who wrote and contributed to the Hebrew Bible, where did that come from for them? Now, some people would say that that was a revelation from God. Personally, I have a problem with that. And I'll come back to that. Another way of looking at it is that evolution is what produced this idea of this great chain of being. Let me explain that to you. Look at your body. Now, how, how well equipped are you to fight a tiger? Um, I mean, you don't have really big fangs, at least the majority of you don't. So, so biting them and tearing their flesh off of them isn't going to work for us. Um, we don't have claws. We don't run f- overly fast. And I guess it just doesn't matter. As long as you can outrun the person you're with, you're safe. But if you look at our bodies, we're really not prepared to do well in nature. So when Homo sapiens first came on the scene... And those that preceded them, we were number one quality prey, predators. We were easy picking off for them. But over time, we begin to associate with each other. 
we begin to engage each other. And at first it was really small groups, and then those groups begin to grow. And then an amazing thing happened in the evolution of Homo sapiens. We discovered fire. We discovered how to make fire. And so at the end of the day, now people could sit around and this fire rather than going to bed or being off by themselves. They could sit around there. And I, I'm sure at first, before they learned how to speak in language, I think there was probably a lot of nonverbal communication and a lot of, right? But in time, they begin to communicate with each other. And then they had these creative ideas that begin to evolve in their minds. And then they realize that if they could combine all their creativity together, they could actually work well together. If they would coordinate their efforts, if they would cooperate with each other. And they discovered how to make weapons. And they realized by using these weapons and by joining together, they could slowly make their way up the pecking order. And because of that and a lot of good luck, Homo sapiens slowly saw themselves moving up until they were at the very top. A zoologist captures this idea when he says the following. We may have to accept that what we do, even our unprecedented dominion, is a natural consequence of what we have evolved into. And by a process, nothing less natural than natural selection itself. So we don't have to blame ourselves. We don't have to beat ourselves up. It's just what happened. So where are we today with this? If this is where, if we understand where, how we got where we are today, that we are the goats, where are we now? Here can either be considered good news or not so good news. Things are changing. And it started on August 6, 1945, when the United States dropped the atomic bomb. The same zoologist I shared with you earlier says the following, we were no longer fearful of nature. Makes sense, right? We were no longer fearful of nature, but of what we could do to it and ourselves. That reality that we can destroy nature and the earth and the pr proliferation of nuclear weapons is one that is making a lot of people stop and ask, is this the right thing? Just because we are at the top, should we be there? 
More and more conversations are happening on the academic level, the political level, and even the spiritual level around sustainability. Can we continue as human beings being on the pinnacle, being at the top? Will we survive? We have so denatured, denatured ourselves, we have separated ourselves from nature that we have lost all connection. And rather than cooperating with nature, we are abusing it and fighting it. And when crises happen, it's a wake-up call. I mean, look at all the fires that are taking place right now. I mean, I, if you're going to go camping in Arizona, you better check and make sure there's not a fire there. Or, as my wife and I discovered the last time we went camping, you don't really want to camp where there's been a fire. Look at what happened with us on COVID-19. Look what took place. And they're telling us that as we continue to move as human beings into these other areas, we are disrupting the ecosystem. And there's a really good chance that we will see more and more of such viruses that we are not equipped to handle. And if evolution is teaching us anything right now, it's these three lessons. Number one, we as Homo sapiens are one species among countless millions. Did you hear that? We're just one. I found out something the other day watching Dr. Pimple Popper. Don't watch that show. But they told me that there are species crawling all over my face right now. That I have species living inside of me. Well, that's not really pleasant to know. But when we realize that we are just one among a million species, it kind of makes us stop and realize that being up at the top, being the goat, maybe is more egotistical than we should be. Number two, on an evolutionary timescale, we have been here for barely a blink of the eye. Think about that. Since Homo sapiens came on the scene, it's just a blip of time in the larger scale of evolution. That should be humbling. And number three, the environment was not created for humans. Humans evolved to fit the environment. Now, again, I know for, 
for individuals who want to take a literal reading of the creation stories, this is going to be really troubling. Because a literal reading of those stories puts humankind as the center of the world. But what evolution is telling us is that the environment was not created for humans. Humans evolved to fit the environment. Shouldn't we take some pause and think about how we interact with the environment? So where do we go from here? I would, first of all, ask you to think about that question I started our worship series with. Those animals at the zoo. And again, I still like the zoo. But we should stop and think about what is our relationship to other life forms? How, how do we see them? How do we experience them? Are they there for our entertainment? Are they there for our pleasure? Are they there to make our life easier? Some individuals say, well, Tony, given what you said, then maybe we shouldn't eat meat. Maybe we shouldn't wear things that derive from animals. And if that's what people choose, that's great. But the other day, it really, a, a light went on for me. I, I have relatives and friends that are vegans, and I, I, that's their thing. I, that's fine with me. Um, I don't like vegetables, so that doesn't work for me. But someone told me one time, they said, ask a vegan who doesn't want to kill anything if they use antibacterial on their hands. Because what are you doing? You're killing bacteria. Another one said, ask them if they would support us getting rid of pesticides that we use on our crops. You know what happens if we do? We're going to starve. We just, there's too many of us. We have to be as efficient as we can to produce food for all of us. So it's real easy to, to just kind of go to, well, if, if we're not this, then we're going to be this. Instead, I think we're going to have to find ourselves somewhere in the middle of all of this. That we're going to be able to live in cooperation and unity with, with all of life. And maybe step down from the pedestal. The other one to think about is how connected you are to all of life. I was talking to an individual the other day, and if I happen to be wrong in what I'm going to share with you, please correct me. Those of you online, send me an email, and I would love to be corrected. But this is what I was told, is that the, the atoms that exist within you right now they existed somewhere else before you entered this world. 
And when you are no longer on this world, they will exist somewhere else. Do you see the beauty of what evolution teaches us? Of how interconnected we are? And how much our life is dependent upon all forms and expression of life. Now, how you negotiate that, that's yours. But at least think about these things. You know, Jesus didn't know about evolution. And I can't tell you how he would have responded to it. But there does seem to be some evidence about how Jesus understood God in relationship to nature. And this idea that God is somehow separated from all of that. I think Jesus may have had a question about that. And maybe considering what Jesus says, and given the knowledge that we now have in the 21st century, maybe it's time that we step off of the pedestal and no longer claim to be the goats of humanity and the world. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. Now again, you, you don't have to read this literally to see the significance of what is being said here. In Jesus' mind, we are connected and God is a part of all of this. Jesus goes on and says, it's not just animals. He said, look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. Wow. Maybe it's time for us to pause and re-examine what it means to live as a homo sapien in the 21st century. And your choices right now, they're going to impact the next generation. Today has been so wonderful for me because we have finally reopened up our family area. I love hearing children's voices in church. I love it. Why? Because it reminds me that what we're doing here right now and the way that we're choosing to live our lives and interact with nature is going to affect that young person and what kind of world they're going to grow up in. We have the opportunity to make a difference. Let's do it, okay? Amen. 
Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.